0: Master Brewers brings you interviews with the industry's best and brightest in brewing science, technology, and operations. Thank you to our newest sponsor, Brewing with Enzymes by Novazymes.
1: This episode was made possible by the following sponsors. Dare to brew different with new and exciting hop varieties from Hopsteiner's industry-leading breeding program. Varieties like Sultana, Lotus, Bravo, Altus, and Contessa are now available in lupulin pellet form, packing more flavor and aroma per pellet. Discover more at Hopsteiner.com. Additional
0: support provided
1: by... Every beer has a story, and that's why, for over 95 years, Gusmer Enterprises has offered a full line of solutions, including equipment, analytical instrumentation, and processing aids, all brought to you from leading suppliers and backed by strong technical support. For the solution to your story, go to gusmerbeer.com. And thanks also to BrewNinja, a brewery software solution that streamlines your day-to-day operations, including inventory, accounting, sales, and compliance, so that you can focus on making great beer. Listeners of this podcast will receive a unique offer by going to getbrewninja.com and using the code BrewNinja21.
2: We've seen uh, increased head retention, and we've also seen faster reductions in THP. Those beers last... Um, a long time on the shelves, So there's there's just a lot of opportunities for product improvement when you have that final fermentation in your package.
0: This week on the show, how and why resident culture conditions with Spiza work.
2: Hi, my name is David Fuhrer. I'm seller manager and barrel seller manager at Resident Culture Brewing Company in Charlotte, North Carolina.
0: What is Spiza... And can you tell us anything about the history of the technique? M- my assumption is that it's a German word, so that's how I tried to pronounce it, but please correct me if I've got that wrong.
2: Uh, no, that's actually correct. Um, and for the first bit of, uh, of my using of the, the term, I um, called it spees because I didn't, um, didn't really look up how to pronounce it, which is why the original naming of the... Um, of the presentation is, uh, with spees. <laughs> um, so, but it is, it is Spice. Uh, and, uh, it kind of dates back to, um, when we first collectively, we, as humanity started carbonating, uh, beer. Um, and I first learned about it, um, through researching historical examples of, uh, Berliner. Um, and it slowly phased out into, or ch- kind of morphed and changed from, uh, using sterile wort to using actively fermenting wort and turned into kind of krausening um, in which um, the, all the conditioning was done in, um, in uh, bright tanks and conditioning vessels. Um, so, but SPISA specifically um, still refers to uh, the carbonation happening inside the package format. Um, it's still seen in modern Hefeweizen production. Um, but there's, uh, there's not a lot of us out there doing it these days. Why would a brewer
0: want to use this technique instead of priming sugar, croisoning, or any other method of carbonation?
2: Um, so yeah, there's a couple of, um, a couple of different opportunities that, uh, produces, uh, for your Your final product. Um, If you're talking about traditional Hefeweizen production, it's seen that um, that's where a lot of the um, clove profile can come from, is that warm conditioning on the uh, stressed-out yeast um, in the package format. And then for uh, specifically mixed culture production, which is where we kind of first started using it, um, I've seen um, depending on the wort that I've used for uh, for charging or for priming. Um, essentially, uh, we've seen, uh, increased head retention if we're using high IBU wart. Um, and we've also seen, um, faster reductions in THP. So, um, both of those things I think are, um, you know, kind of big wins for this as a, as a practice. Do you use this
0: method only for certain types of beers or for all of your beers?
2: Uh yeah, so we um we only use this uh st- or this technique for um kind of three categories of beer. Um one category is mixed culture beer, and for that we use sterile wort spice, and then we'll use active wort spice for our keller beers and for our table beers and Saisons. And that's just the same thing as croisoning, basically. Yeah, yeah. It's uh um, yeah almost exactly
0: yeah um okay so why has this uh become the method of choice in your in your brewery for um those applications and what were you doing previously
2: we were originally just priming everything with dextrose and um using um packaging yeast um and then we were force carbonating all of our um all of our loggers, um, we would spoon it at the, towards the end of fermentation, and then take it the rest of uh, of the way with a forced carbonation. Um, and then, um, yeah, you know, had the had the inkling to give this a try, and heard about it, and kind of passing in a few places. Um, so started running the numbers and thought this is something that's feasible and something we can do. The first time we did it, we did it with a uh, no boil Berliner Weiss. Um, that was mixed culture, um, and previously having done that style a lot um, in my home brewing and professional brewing previously, um, they always kind of came out like a soda, um, you know, highly carbonated but not a lot of head retention. And that first bottle when we did our our carb check at two weeks was this nice pillowy head that hung around until the glass was done, and I immediately was like, "This is something that." Um, we really need to big improvement. Yeah. We need to keep doing cool. I'll say like with that same beer, um, we, uh, passed carbonation had great head retention and we're done, um, with our THP reduction in three weeks. Um, and so immediately that was a big turnaround from, uh, previously, um, with that same culture, uh, looking at like, two months to reduce thp and then um when we're talking about our our monoculture beers and our in our main system um we're going into can um at about uh i'd say probably around 75 tpo um and we're reducing down to um to 12 to 25 tpo within two days of um of canning um, so there's just, and those, those beers last um, a long time on the shelves. So there's, there's just a lot of opportunities for, uh, for product improvement when you have that final fermentation in your package. Nice. So better products,
0: better stability, faster process. Um, sounds pretty good to me. Okay, give us a quick rundown on the variables we need to consider to get this right.
2: Yeah. Um, so obviously your first one is your base, uh, base product uh, and base volumes. Um, you should be looking at uh, what, your, what you really want that final product to be, um, whether you want to do some sort of clarifying process to your base. Um, and then ultimately, uh, your biggest control point for that is just making sure that either your flow rate meter or your, your volume estimates are on target. Because that's um, that's going to cause cause some difference in your in your final CO two production or uh, retention. So the second one is how much CO two your base is holding. You can do that uh, by either forcing it to a certain point, which we do in some of our package, or by taking its actual CO two at the time and adjusting. Uh, something you need to pay attention to is whether or not um, you're going to lose any carbonation in the packaging process. We do not lose any CO2, generally speaking, in either of our packaging processes. So um, that's not a big concern for us. But um, if you're running a goose or something that's uh, uh, not counter pressure, you're going to see some CO2 release, release there. Um, you're also going to want to make sure that you're running a terminal um, or force terminal test on your base. Um, kind of the last thing you want to do is uh, wake that yeast up and it decide that it wants to go an extra half a Play Doh um, once it starts re fermenting, because uh, half a Play Doh of your base is going to produce a lot of CO2 lots and lots of CO2. So you're going to want to make sure that your yeast has done everything that it was going to do to your base product and that the yeast that you're introducing to package if you are doing that is not going to uh change that terminal as well. Uh so a force fermentation test super easy. Pull off a sample, put it on a spin a spin uh plate in a Erlenmeyer flask. Um you know, we put ours in the boiler room and just to make sure that that temperature's up and uh let that go for 48 hours and check to see if your um your gravity has dropped at all. If it hasn't, um, you're good to go. And then you're going to want to look at the um, the gravity of your spice award. So whether that's you know you're actively fermenting krausen krausening wort or your sterile wort, you're going to want to make sure that you have that number correct because it never hurts to double check. So um, you're going to want to make sure that that's right. I will say the spice award is such a small. Portion of your overall um, collective blend that, um, unless if you're severely off in either volume or gravity, with that calculation, you're not going to be looking at too much of a of an issue. But it could be the difference between CO two and a little bit of head coming out of the can when your customer cracks it and it not happening. So um, you know you want to be as exact as possible. And then finally, um, and this one goes uh, especially for. Um, when you're using sterile wort, is viable cells in suspension. Uh, you're going to want to make sure that there is some yeast in there to uh, do the fermentation, the refermentation in the bottle. Because if it's not, you effectively just made your product sweeter and still. So you mentioned adding yeast. Are, are you typically
0: adding yeast along with the sterile wort or not?
2: Um, you know, that's that really kind of comes down to product by product. I'm doing a direct dilution. Um, sample and looking at it under the microscope before every packaging run. I will say that for our Solera program, that we tend to empty and refill every uh, or top up, pull from and top up every three months. Um, I tend to not have to add any. Uh, there's a lot of yeast and suspension. Barrel aged products that I refruit tend to have a little bit more yeast and suspension as well. But if it's something like you know, just something that came straight from barrels and has been hanging out in there for a long time. I'll pull some of our, uh, our Celera that I know has really active cells in there and I'll, I'll pitch it into the blend. You use a spreadsheet
0: calculator for this process. Talk about that.
2: Yeah. So I use the one by, uh, Michael Tonsmeyer. Um, I like it because it's simple. Um, you know, it's, uh, keep it simple, stupid. Something a teacher told me in the ninth grade of high school, and I've carried that with me um, all the way through. I'm sure he was super original. Yeah. So um, basically, it's got you know four columns, and um, you know it's not going to tell you how much you have to use. But if you, so the first column, I'll use, uh, I'll put like, basically, I'll take my force fermentation test and whatever the results that that comes back with. And I'll put that with a uh, 0.1 gallons. Uh, so, you know, a nominal amount of volume that's not going to make any difference in our CO2 collection. Um, and then in the second column, I'll do the, the base at whatever that is. And it tends to be the same, but sometimes it's not. Um, and then in three, I'll do the spice award at the um, at its current gravity. And I'll put in my target. Um, over on the right, where it says CO two uh, target volumes of CO two, and I'll basically just I I normally start around seven percent of what the um, the base is uh, base volume is, and then kind of move that around up or down to see um, to get the to get that threshold of okay it needs to be between nine and 10 gallons. All right, we'll shoot for 9.5 gallons or, um, you know, so, uh, currently I did a little bit of work on this recently. Um, it's not done yet, but I've got, uh, I added a, a couple extra cells that, um, tell you it's aggregate volume. So it's like the weighted average of, uh, the density, uh, so that you can do a quality check on that prior to packaging. Um but yeah, I, I I really like Michael Tonsmeyer's um because it's simple. I've also um verified it against a couple of uh Krausening calculators that I've found online and um so it works. i I would I would stick with uh whatever you feel most comfortable with, but uh make sure that you've got um a cell to put in your force fermentation results because that that can drastically change your, um, your volumes of CO2. Okay. And you said that, um, you said around
0: 7%, that's, that's how much the spice award, um, you, is roughly, um, versus the base you're usually in that sort of like high single digit range. Is that about right or no?
2: Yeah. So it all kind of, it all kind of depends. Like, um, you know, if the spice award is really high, um, you know like uh, for example um recently i tried and i'm not sure how it's worked out yet but tried using um stout spice award to get like a little bit of chocolatey flavor like that's obviously going to be way less um and then if the terminal gravity of the entire thing is at 3 plato instead of you know 0.6 plato um you're kind of looking at different numbers there but yeah i'd say it's it's generally between you know, seven and fifteen percent. Okay. Coming up, I've pulled out beers from my closet that have sat warm for six months that still are really great color beer, really nice saison.
0: I'm John Bryce, and you're listening to the Master Brewers Podcast from the Master Brewers Association of the Americas. There's really only one thing that keeps this podcast going, and that's when listeners like you take the time to thank our sponsors. The next time you talk to a rep from one of these companies, be sure to thank them for their generous support.
1: Get to know Proximity Malt. We malt superior, European-style, low-protein varieties grown close to home in Delaware and Colorado. Domestically grown, precisely malted to style. With our team of seasoned experts and two brand-new malt houses, try what's really new in malt. Check us out at www.proximitymalt.com. Brew Monitor from Precision Fermentation works with your existing fermentation tanks to track dissolved oxygen, pH, gravity, pressure, temperature, and conductivity in real time from any smartphone, tablet, or PC. Get started for 30 days risk-free. Visit precisionfermentation.com mbaa. This episode brought to you by BSG, exclusive distributors of our malting company. Since 1847, Rar malt has been a benchmark of quality and consistency for brewers from the 19th century through today's craft beer pioneers. Whether you're creating classic lagers, resin clouded hazies, or barrel aged behemoths, Rahr North Star pills, malted oats, and more are here to make your brewing dreams a reality. Get in touch at go.bsgcraft.com contact us. Are you looking to
0: improve yield quality and
1: sustainability in your cellar? Alpha Laval has over
0: 60 years of brewing experience, offering centrifuges, de systems, yeast plants, and complete cold block cellar projects designed for the most gentle and efficient treatment of your beer, cider, hard seltzer, or other beverages. But the leaders in brewing innovation help you meet your greatest production and sustainability goals. Visit alphalaval.us slash mbaa to learn more. And here's what's coming up on the Master Brewers Calendar. Don't miss the Inclusive Hiring and Retention webinar, February 2nd. The Master Brewers Brewery Packaging Technology Course starts February 11th. District Carolinas holds a winter social February 12th at Cabarrus Brewing in Concord, North Carolina. District St. Paul, Minneapolis meets at Surly's Shide Hall February 24th. District Pittsburgh meets February 25th at Mindful Brewing Company. The 2022 Brewing Summit, that's the combined meeting with Master Brewers and ASBC, is August 14th through the 16th in Rhode Island. Check out the full calendar of events at mbaa.com for more details or to find a district meeting near you. to the show. You've got some tips for brewers trying this for the first time. Talk about some of the lessons
2: you've learned. Uh yeah, so I've learned um especially when it comes to mixed culture beer, um, use wort that has high IBUs. Um, that's done a couple of things for us. Um, we see better head retention in the final products and we also, um, don't see any further acidification. Um, whereas we have tried some hazy IPA wort just cause it was on hand. Um, and we've seen, um, we still see carbonation, but we see a little bit uh, more acidification in that as well. Um, so I would, I would definitely stick with high IBU wort. We really like lager wort, Um, you know, something with like a, uh, we use our, my preferred wort is our um, German Pilsner, which is Radical Empathy. It's 35 IBUs and almost entirely um, premium Pilsner. So it's super simple um, and doesn't really impact much flavor, but it gets a really good head retention. Um, And then I would 100% avoid oats. Um, this is a mixture of something that I read once and then everything that I've observed observed from this process. Um, so I read like two or three years ago that um, oats contains a protein that's a precursor for THP. Um, and so every time I've used um, even like West Coast I IPA wort or if we're doing like a, you know, West Coast, East Coast mashup style that's got some IBUs, uh, we see a, we go from like a month to clear THP to about three months minimum to clear THP. So I would definitely avoid oats um, and again, stick with that high IBUs. Um, I also, um, just with the method that we use for collecting our spice wort, um, check your gravity. Before um, you go pitching it in there, um, again, I, it's just good to double check because once it's in there, you can't really. Um, <laughs> there's no going back. That's right. <laughs> you can wait. You know, I mean, that's something you can do. But then, you know, you've got you've got all the manpower that you brought into the brewery for that packaging run, um, and you've got your schedule to keep. So, uh, just check that extra. Um, do that extra check, um, and then uh, take that. Convert it into specific gravity and then find out the weight of the wort that you need and, um, pitch by weight, take your grain scale and, uh, pitch by weight. It's super easy. It's super accurate. Um, and it, it works really well. Um, So, so how
0: exactly are you doing that? Then are you putting the spies wort into kegs so you can do that or how does that work?
2: Yeah, exactly. So we, I'll take, um, you know, radical empathy or German Pilsner wort, um, And I will wait until about a minute or two before the end of whirlpool rest, right before knockout. And I will attach a keg line from our tangential port to uh, a keg. I'll bleed all that CO2 pressure out of the keg uh, because obviously I don't want to disturb that whirlpool rest. And then I'll run that hot wart into the keg. Um, And then I'll leave that. And I kind of have like a general idea. Of how much I need, um, and so I'll pull a little extra, and then I'll go back at the end of the day and add some head pressure to those kegs, and I'll come in. That that wort tends to stay stable for um, about four or five days, so we'll come come back in. Um, and does
0: it just go in the fridge, or what
2: is it? Where do you put it? Um, we actually don't put it in the fridge. Putting it in the fridge is probably recommended, um, but uh, we haven't seen any wart stability issues, so uh, wow. it's actually cool. like a pretty cool wart stability test. <laughs> uh, kind Got of some a- clean kegs. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, you're running in there at um, you know 210, and it's yeah. taking all night to cool down. So, uh, if anything can survive that, you know, I definitely don't want it in the brewery. But <laughs> good for <Right>. it. <laughs> um, so yeah, we'll uh, we'll pitch. We'll take those kegs. We'll put them on the grain scale. And I'll have a pump set up. Um and we'll just recirc um well I'll have that I'll purge that pump and have it recirculating. Uh and then I'll hook up to a T on somewhere in that loop and I'll push that wart in and just have it recirculating. Uh we have a racking arm in our packaging tank for a mixed culture. We also have racking arms in all of our bright tanks. Um and so just turn that up and um You know, pull from the bottom and just keep recirculating. I do about, I do a minimum of 15 minutes at about 20 on the uh, VFD on a 1.5 horsepower pump. So, um, you know, we're, um, you know, and just let that go. And then again, I just did the, uh, you can do an aggregate or a weighted average of your, um, the density of your wart and you can, Verify that um, before you run. So,
0: have you ever tried um, not homogenizing it like that with the pump? Um, I'm just curious because um, Brie worked at a long time ago. We did it, it wasn't a spice exactly, but it was a croisoning process. And um, I was always surprised because they wouldn't really um, mix up the bright tank very much. Um, the extent of mixing it up was they would um, run the beer to the filler bowl. Um, as normal and then and then blow it back to the to the tank, which you know is going to mix it up a little bit, but um i I just um, I'm wondering like how much this stuff homogenizes in the tank on its own versus just you know kind of staying stratified have you Have you always recirculated, it, or have you, have you ever tried uh you know doing it less or doing it not at all
2: yeah so um I actually the first time we ran this i uh, didn't use the pump, and I mm-hmm. just um I hooked up a CO2 line to the bottom of our vessel and I blasted it uh, for six different bursts at 10 seconds a piece with 15 PSI going in on it. Um, and that worked out really well for us. Um, but kind of moving forward, we decided to uh decided to kind of change up our process, make it a little bit more um, as our, as our blends got bigger, um, yeah, make it a little bit more guaranteed. And then, uh, actually for a funny story, um, we, we did a, um, we did a, uh, whole cone dry hopped, uh, Berliner called doom scrolling. And I had a whole cone Azaka and in bags inside of the packaging tank. And I was like, you know what? It'll be fine. I'll just mix it up. Um, and package it with the, with those bags in there. Um, It won't be a problem. And I recirculated for about 30 minutes and had moved around the, uh, the racking arm a bunch, uh, tried to get it pointed a bunch of different ways. And um, anyways, I went to go do my quality check two weeks later and there was no carbonation. There was a little bit, you know, it's like two volumes maybe. And I was kind of freaking out and so my boss told me we'll pull one from the middle and pull one from the bottom and lo and behold the bottom was at like four and a half volumes the middle was at um about three volumes and the top layer was at two volumes um so you definitely want to mix it up because it will stratify in there anything else you think brewers trying this for the first
0: time should know about
2: uh yeah i would the only thing i would say is um you know, there's no there's no need for any brewer to run into this um, full force. Like, if you're interested in trying this, uh, kegs are super forgiving, and you can trial run this um, by just taking a little bit of wort from your kettle and putting it into a keg by weight, and then the next day going and transferring uh, some mixed culture base that you've got hanging around into that keg and. Um, you know, set it in the corner for a month and then hook it up to your draft lines after cooling it down. And, um, you can, you can trial run this super easy.
0: Mhm. All right. Talk about your approach to minimizing O2 pickup.
2: Yeah. Um, so O2 is a big, um, a big pet peeve of mine. Um, so one thing that I learned, um, pretty early in my career was that hot water um, is naturally can't hold any gas, including uh, oxygen. So, um, and I also learned that PAA uh, breaks down into uh, what's called trillium water. I think it's H2O2. Um, You might have to correct me on that, but uh, so basically the idea here is to try and avoid using PAA whenever possible and, um, in its place, use hot water. Um, and whenever you have to use it, make sure that you're getting rid of as much of it from your tank as possible. Um, and then again, like, um, just making sure you're doing all your purges. So, um, when it comes to the way we do things at resident culture, we, um, heat kill all of our transfer hoses. Um, and we use 190 degree water from our HLT. Um, and we just pack the hose and then set it to a trickle. Um, and we'll let that go for um, 15 minutes. Um, then we'll do some bright checks. Um, you know, make sure that you're not going into a tank that's got a lot of oxygen in it. Um, then we're we're blowing out our old Sani. Um, you know, Beginning of the day, on when days we're doing transfers, we're blowing out the last bit of Sandy that's stripped out of the tank. Um, you know, there's no reason to leave that behind. Uh, and then once we're done uh, with our heat kill, we'll uh, blow all that water, hot water, out of the hose with the uh, pressure from the bright. And then we'll set the hose to a roll purge. Um, I've worked in uh, breweries with. Lots of really long hoses, and I can tell you, no matter how much you think that hose is packed, um, there are little bubbles on the top of it. Same with all your pipes. So we'll do a roll purge just to make sure that we're really getting every um, every bit of oxygen or anything that's not CO2. out. So of that's the- a
0: new term for me, a roll purge. I can guess what that means, but why don't you explain it?
2: Yeah. Um, so basically, we'll set... Um, and we do this for our brights as well, we'll set a CO2 nipple onto the uh, bleed valve on the receiving side of the transfer line. Um, And we'll set a CO2 line to 10 PSI between, between 10 and 12 PSI. Um, And we'll connect it and we'll allow that to slowly trickle um, or roll basically through the per or through the hose um, for a set amount of time. Uh, We've, become comfortable with about 10 minutes for every 30 feet of line and um I believe it's uh an hour per 10 barrels for our our bright tanks. And something we actually just recently did away with was for a while um we were discarding that first 5 gallons of our transfer. Um it was just kind of um if there was going to be any oxygen in any of the wort, it was going to be there in those first 5 gallons um, after doing some testing, we have an oxygen meter. Um, after doing our, some testing, we are not seeing any pickup, um, whether any pickup differences between discarding that first five gallons or not. So um, we've got that purged down well enough that I think we're picking up about one PPB of oxygen on our transfers. Um, so we, right. we've stopped doing that. Cool.
0: Is there anything else you want to say about sort of the trade-off between additional complexity in your process versus uh, the final results?
2: Yeah, I think that anytime you're adding um, fresh wort and seeing a renewed fermentation you're you're adding a little bit of complexity and a little bit of freshness that um, especially in um, barrel aged beer that's a year old, um, just tends to. Uh, tends to lack, so I think that there's a lot of um, positives when it comes to that aspect, and when it comes to um, the uh, crowzening s- side of the side of it, you're really just looking at um, an incredibly stable packaged product. Um, you know, I've I've pulled out beers from my closet um, that have sat warm for six months that still are you know, really great beer, really nice Saison. So I just think that in terms of, uh, in terms of uh, shelf life, it's, it's, it's uh, difficult to, to beat or even compare with any other method.
0: That was David Fuhrer here on the Master Brewers Podcast. Check the show notes for more details, including a direct link to David's District Georgia presentation. Are you enjoying the Master Brewers podcast? Let me tell you about a simple way you can help us keep making more. Take a minute to thank our sponsors. There's no way we could produce this show without generous support from sponsors like Hopsteiner, Brew Ninja, Proximity Malt, BSG, Gussamer, and Precision Fermentation. So please... Let them know you heard their message on the Master Brewers podcast and that you appreciate their support.